Well, God bless you, saints. Welcome tonight to another time of Bible study as we get ready to seek God in the Word tonight. I bless God for each one of you joining in with us tonight in this wonderful time of study on this sizzling hot day in southeastern Connecticut. The heat is roaring, and we thank God that we are alive. Amen? Let's pray. God, we love you, we thank you, we bless your name for who you are and for all that you've done, for your manifested blessings among us. Speak afresh, even in this place. Use your servant this night. In the name of Jesus, I pray, amen. Tonight I want to talk again uh, from the theme, Living Faith in Stressful Times. This is part 14, Living Faith in Stressful Times. Lord knows we're living in a stressful time right now. You know, I, I'm thinking about how hot it is and my ride over from home today. I was telling Deacon uh, Medina when I arrived, uh, it was just starting to cool off in my car from the ride over here. And uh, the entire way I was sweating. We're living in stressful times. We're having a heat wave here. And just think about it, in some places in the Midwest are experiencing temperatures as high as 113. I saw one that was even higher than that. The other day on the, during the track and field tryouts at the Olympics, somebody suffered from such heat exhaustion that they collapsed. Here's an athlete who's prepared for bad weather, prepared for difficult times, who has toned their body and put it in place, and yet the heat overwhelmed them. So you can only imagine right now someone who is homeless. You can only imagine right now someone who, whose electricity was shut off because the winter was over. You can only imagine what it's like for someone who doesn't have air conditioning. These are stressful times that we're living in. The stress is not just heat related. The stress is related to all of us and to worry of our welfare and the welfare of others. Our hearts go out to those individuals in Miami who would be in their domicile locked away. No burglar intruder would come in, but the building would come down around them and upon them. Our hearts go out to those families there. We're living in a very stressful time. If that wasn't enough, we're living in a time where the previous president is speaking as though he were on the campaign trail and trying to stir up dust and anger and making people upset about an election that he lost knowingly now and continues to put forth that big lie of a stolen election. We're living in a stressful time. And some of us who are just coming out of the pandemic, we are now trying to figure out how do we reinculcate ourselves into normal everyday life. And it's a worrisome time because we see some people with masks, some people without masks, not knowing whether or not anybody is vaccinated at all. And we're living in a stressful time. Matter of fact, I don't know about you, somebody even cough or sneeze around me. We all take a look and look twice. These are stressful times. And I suppose that that's why with the stressors that are external, and I haven't touched on any of the inner turmoil in our own homes, issues with, with relationships, children, families, health concerns, worrying about various things. This is a stressful time. So how do we live now? in the midst of the stressors that are part of our existence and how do we continue to know that God is with us and on our side. Interesting enough today, the text that we draw upon today is the text found in, in Genesis chapter 32. And I'm going to use chapter 32 because it is bookended by two theophany experiences meaning that God shows up, a divine encounter where God reveals God's own self. It's bookended by those things which give us a, a wonderful uh, revelation of God, divine uh, power and showing up. But if you look at verses 1 and 2, Genesis chapter 32, verse 1 and 2, here's what it says. I'm reading the Amplified Version. The Amplified Version said, Then as Jacob went on his way, the angel of God met him, to reassure and protect him. Not one angel, but angels, plural. When Jacob saw them, 
he said, this is God's camp. So he named the place Mahanaim, double camps. It's interesting here that Jacob thinks that the place where he has this visualization of the divine is the location of God. This is where God is. And the truth of the matter is, unfortunately, when we are dealing with the vicissitudes of life, it's easy for us not to see the omnipresence of God. When we're dealing with the vicissitudes of life, it's easy for us not to see, not to recognize the omnipresence of God. Now that, that's, that's just one of the things that happens in life. You know, we, 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 we don't recognize that God is everywhere at the same time. And, and thank goodness for celebrating what he has just seen and the experience in that place. But we need to always recognize that God is ever present everywhere. You know, the reality of Jacob's limited understanding of the divine presence, purpose, and power is revealed in this section. He has such a limited understanding of God's presence, purpose, and power that he doesn't see what God is doing in other places, in other ways. He doesn't recognize the hand of God. And sometimes that's us. Sometimes when we can't see God, we can't believe God. When we don't see the immediate manifestation of something that God is doing, all of a sudden we don't believe that God is doing it at all. The reality of our lives is simply this, that God is always present, always active, always doing, always blessing. He called the name of that place Double Camp, God's Camp. Double camp, God's camp. Now we need to we need to point this out because this is an important notion here, because for him, he sees this place as double camp, and it is because believing it to be God's camp, Jacob names it the word I've used before, mana name, Hebrew for two camps or two companies. Now, he must see himself and, and, and as, as God has a camp and God is camped next to me. God's camp is next to me. Well, I, I, in some ways I could play on that illustration that God is camped out next to me and that's, that's not a bad notion. Um, that God is always near. That's not a bad notion. But the truth of the matter is that that understanding of double camp is a suggestion, and it is, it actually I should say, it is a way of viewing God as external to the human life and experience. And trust when I tell you this, this was their understanding of God. I am here, God is there. I am here, God is there. The New Testament understanding as a result of the Holy Spirit is the understanding of I am here and God is in here. God is in here with me. God is everywhere. God is not only in here, but believers must realize that God is everywhere. Believers must realize God is everywhere everywhere simultaneously at the same time God is everywhere God is right here with me God is at your house with you now God is with you while you're looking at your iPhone iPad Android or whatever you're looking at while you're looking at your computer while you're looking at your television screen whatever device which you have ca captured this message if you listen to it later on a podcast God is there the omnipresence of God is just what the text says. It is the reassurance of the protection of God. Knowing that God is everywhere reassures me 
that I'm not alone. And it's amazing how if we take chapter 31, the very end, and then chapter 32, the first couple of verses, it is a reminder that after he comes through all that he goes through with Laban, after he deals with all of the issues with Laban's family, then as soon as he crosses over into this new land, the God that we serve shows up profoundly in a dynamic manner and that God says, I'm here with you. And the manifestation of the visualization of the angels says, you're not by yourself. I know you just left out of the land. I know you just had a hard time. I know it's been difficult for you. I know you've been going through some things, but you are not by yourself. You're not alone. As soon as he crosses in, God says, you're not alone. And I want to tell somebody this. There's no angel going to walk in your house right now. So let me, as the angel of the house of God and the pastor of this place, come to you right now over these airways and tell you, God is, wants you to know. He wants to reassure sure you I'm with you God wants you to know I'm with you I'm there right now I'm there right now I'm here I am with you right now now that ought to be shouting news for somebody right now. That ought, to be, that ought to get somebody up. That ought to make somebody feel a little better right now because you're not by yourself. You're not in this thing alone. I don't care if there's nobody else in your house. God is there. My God. What is interesting here is that he goes to this moment and as he's dealing with that moment, as he's dealing with that, that crisis, he realizes that he needs something from God. He realizes that life is not going to be easy. And the reality of the situation is that he decides to send forth messengers. In verses 3 through 5, he sends messengers to his brother. And he tells his brother, says, uh, I'm here. I've been blessed. God has taken care of me. God has caused me to prosper. Increase has been in my life. God, God has, has done great things for me. And, and I, I want to let you know that I want to come home and I want to come home in peace. I want, I want you to know that I'm coming home and I, I just want you to know I, I don't want no trouble. I don't want no, no issues. I don't want no problems. I, I just want to come home and I want to come back in peace. I don't want to start no stuff because I don't want there to be no stuff. So let me come back in peace. I'm on my way. He sends messengers ahead of him to tell them that. And then what he gets in return is a message that says, verse 6, drop down verse 6. says, the messengers returned to Jacob saying, we went to your brother Esau. Now he's coming to meet you. And there are 400 men with him. Jacob was greatly afraid and distressed. Now, it's interesting here. Because Esau's response is not, go tell my brother I love him and I look forward to seeing him at the house. Or go tell my brother I love him and we're getting ready to create a feast. Esau's response is, load up, we on our way. Now I'm trying to set a context here because Jacob has just gone through this with Laban's family. Because Laban's family has just chased him down. Now Esau's 400 are coming at him. So he has been attacked from the rear. Now he's about to be attacked from the front. And now he is under great duress. He's under great pressure. He's already gone through Laban chasing him down. Now Esau is on the way. You know, uh, you know Eli's coming. Esau's coming. Esau, Esau coming. He, he about to do some damage. Esau's about to show up. He's on his way. He's coming now. And he's rolling 400 deep. Now, I don't know if it's hyperbole. 
if it was an exaggeration on the part of the servants, if they were scared and just looked like, you know, you know how you use words like 50 million? Uh, you know, there was, a, there, was, there were thousands of them, and you just, you know, you, you, there were no 50 million or quadruple million or, uh, you know, a bazillion. We make up words, you know, we, we, sometimes we get nervous and we want to add to it. But whatever it was, the message was conveyed that Esau is on his way and he is not alone. And it is not some, you know, mere slight gesture that, 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 that Jacob becomes nervous or upset. Jacob knows what he did. Jacob knows what he did. Jacob knows that he sold that boy a pot of stew. Jacob knows that he put on his brother's uh, garment and put on some hairy uh, sheepskin to fool his father to steal his birthright. Jacob knows what he did. Let me tell you something. I want to tell you this. This is going to mess somebody up. I'm getting ready. I'm going to get this next point just saying. This is going to mess somebody up. Nobody can beat you up like you beat up yourself, particularly since nobody else really knows your, your sins like you know them. Somebody may know the sin that you did when you were with them, but they don't know all your sins. Because the only person that was there on each occasion was you. And nobody can beat you up like you. He, he, fear and trembling start hitting that boy. He know everything he did. He's like, oh my God. And it is at this point, and, and, and stay with me closely because this is important. It is at this point that something happens in him. And I want to call this a pivotal moment because this is the moment that begins his transformation. His transformation from simply being a trickster, his transformation from depending on the God of his fathers, his transformation from just depending on theophany experiences. No, he is going to do something that all of us got to do some point in time in our life. He offers what I call a distressed communication. Distressed communication. Reverend, what do you mean? I mean, when he gets distressed, he realizes it is time now for me to do something different. He, he realized he, he has received distress communication and he's getting ready to engage in distress communication with God. He's received distress. He's received information, verse 7 says, that has distressed him. But instead of him just losing his mind, instead of him going to get drunk, instead of him going to get high, instead of him going to do something silly, he now begins to think his mind starts functioning in logic. His mind starts functioning rationally. And then he begins to pray. He begins to think and he begins to pray. He begins to use rational logic and then he begins to pray. He's doing both and, not either or. His mind starts functioning at a higher level. Let me say this to you. When you get under stress, who you really are is going to come out. When you get under stress, who you really are is going to come out. You've got to decide whether you're going to let pressure crush you or you're going to let pressure make you. You've got to decide who you really are when you're under distress. I tell you now, I've been watching some of these uh, basketball finals here lately. Uh, Kevin Durant just showed everybody who he was when New Jersey didn't have James Harden like they normally would and Kyrie Irving was, uh, was, was out with an ankle injury and Kevin Durant took the team on his back and nearly willed them into the, to the finals of the Eastern Conference. I watched last night Paul George do the same thing. They thought Paul wasn't going to be any good. And all of a sudden, last night, he started playing some of the best basketball of his life, making shots that he hasn't made since he was in high school. Let me tell you something. When you get under pressure and you get distressed, it will prove who you really are. Saints, 
Don't ever fool yourself like God won't put you in situations or allow you to get in situations that are not stressful. You, if you think that because you have talked to God or you feel like God has talked to you or that you have a divine mandate or God has spoken to you, you, you think that because of that, that you're not going to be in any stressful situations, somebody has fooled you. Somebody has fooled you. You are going to go through stuff. Life's going to put you through stuff. Somebody you love is going to be sick or you may be sick yourself. Your money might get funny and so too might be your honey. Stuff is going to happen in your life. Your car going to break down. You might even drop something that you really think is important to you. You're going to be under stress. And you've got to decide what kind of man am I going to be under this pressure. What kind of woman am I going to be under this pressure? Am I going to be one to just, everybody else, well, I would have lost my mind. Yeah, you would have lost your mind, but I've been taught better. I've learned better. I know who I am. I'm going to start thinking logical. I'm going to start praying. I'm going to do something different. I'm not going to lose my mind over this situation because I realize that stress is a part of life and stuff happens. I can't control what happens to me. Only thing I can control is how I deal with it. It's going to happen. And I can control how I deal with it. I'm getting ready to handle my business. You can, you can talk about me if you want to, but I'm going to handle my business. Now watch this. Now watch this. Now watch this. Now watch this. He hears that. Verse 7 and verse 8 gives us some understanding of here. 7 says he greatly distressed. And so the, the B portion of 7 says, And he divided the people who were with him. When he got distressed, instead of losing his mind, he started thinking logically. He divided the people who were with him and the flocks and the herds and camels into two camps. And he said, if Esau comes to one camp and attacks it, then the other camp which is left will be able to escape. He's, let me tell you something. He does, he does a divided camp. A divided camp. Now, in this case, it is a defensive measure. A defensive measure. He splits it up. Jacob's first, initi first initiates a strategic move. Now, whether this is divinely inspired or wise counsel, it gives us a lesson in the absence of any divine rebuke we can take something from here and learn something. What are you talking about, Reverend? What I'm trying to tell you is that God doesn't rebuke him for dividing the camp. Not an approach I would have took, but it was his. God doesn't rebuke him for dividing the camp, which means that it was allowed, which suggests that the use of our common sense approach to handling difficulties as we await divine intervention is always appropriate. The use of common sense as we wait for God's intervention is always appropriate. You Look here, God gave you a brain, use it. God gave you common sense, use it. It was a good defense strategy on his part, fine, use it. Was it what God needed? No, I don't need you to do that because I'm going to take care of this another way. But it's okay that you want to employ this right now because I am going to bless you. you you've got to realize that I'm going to bless you. I got a strong reverb down here. And you've got to realize that I am going to bless you. God's going to take care of it. Look here. Don't let waiting on God keep you from using common sense. Let me preach it one more time. Don't let waiting on God keep you from using common sense. Whatever it takes. There may be some strategies that you think of that God may even put in your spirit. But here's the other thing. Don't let common sense keep you from praying. 
Don't you ever tell somebody, I'm being logical now. I don't know why y'all praying. This ain't no time to pray. We got to use our minds. Shut up. I'm going to be logical and I'm going to pray. I'm going to use common sense and I'm going to pray. It's not an either or thing. It's both and. I'm going to use my brain and I'm going to use my Bible and I'm going to use my, the burden that God has given me to be able to get on my knees and call upon the name of the Lord. And that's why I tell you, this next point is simply this. You always remember, you can make a deliverance call. A deliverance call. Ooh, that dog will hunt right there. That dog will hunt right there. Oh my God. You can pray. You can make a deliverance call. Call upon me and I will answer and show you mighty things that you know not of. Make a deliverance call. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is yet near. You can make a deliverance call. If any two or three of you are gathered in my name, I bear I am in the midst to bless the needed one. You can make a deliverance call. If my people, which are called by my name, would humble themselves and pray, turn from their wicked ways, seek my face, then will I hear from heaven, I'll heal their land and forgive. Let me tell you something. You can make a deliverance call. You can call him. Let me tell you something. Fervent, humble prayer is the beginning of transformation. Fervent, humble prayer is the beginning of divine transformation. Let, let, me, let me preach this. I feel like preaching up in here tonight. I feel an anointment on this, this word in here tonight. Go down to verse 9. Get this in your spirit. Here Jacob said, let me, let me talk to God. I, I, done, I done started, I done divided my folks up, but I'm about to talk to God. I'm getting ready to talk to God. Here, here he says, O God of my father Abraham, God of my father Isaac, and the Lord, who said to me, return to your country, to your people, and I will make you prosper. He, he says, I'm lining out my relationship with you, and I'm also lining out the reason I'm standing where I am. My relationship to you is through Abraham and through my daddy. And I'm telling you now, the only reason I am right here right now is you told me to be here. But God, lest you think that I'm arrogant, lest you think I'm standing on my birthright, let me tell you this, I am unworthy of all your loving kindness. I'm unworthy of your compassion. I'm unworthy of your faithfulness which you've shown to your servant. With, all, with only my staff long ago, I crossed over this Jordan and now I've become blessed and increased in these two peoples, of, these two groups of people. Save me please from the hand of my brother, from the hand of Esau, for I fear him that he will come and attack me and the mothers with, their, with the children. And you, Lord, said, I will certainly make you prosper, make your descendants as numerous as the sand of the sea, which is too great to be caught. Let me tell you something. I need to get this in your spirit. There is a change in the man praying here and the trickster that tricked his brother. Y'all ain't hear me to that. I'm preaching to enough good. There's a, this is not the same guy that stole his brother's birthright. This is not the same guy that took that sold a, a bowl of stew. This is not the same guy that dressed up and played like he was his brother and fooled his daddy. This is not the same guy. This guy here, this is a changed man. This is a man that's being transformed. And sometimes we are transformed by the trials we endure. Sometimes we're transformed by going through many dangers, toils, and snares. Sometimes we are transformed because we've been put under pressure and we've been put in the fire and having come through the fire we come forth as pure as gold sometimes we are only transformed because we've been struggling and we've been praying and we've been crying and we've been weeping and we've seen the ups and the downs the blessings and, and the reproach sometimes we just got to realize that God has to do a miracle for us and here he is praying God of my father's I'm calling on you. I need a miracle. 
I need a miracle. I, I need you, Lord. Not you, If your promises are going to be kept, you can't let my brother take me out. If your promises are going to be kept, you can't let Esau come in and kill the mothers of my children or my children because if the mothers are gone and if the children are gone, where will the promise be kept at God? If they take them out, how will the promise come to pass? God, I want to hold you to your word. I'm speaking back to you that which you told me. I'm holding you. You, you missed it. Went over your head. I'm teaching it here tonight sometimes the Bible says put me in remembrance of my word he said I'm going to do it before you New Testament folk get a hold of it I'm doing it right now I'm putting God in remembrance of his word here's what your word said I'm standing on what you told me I'm standing on your word I'm standing on the promises that you made deliver me God ah I've deliver me, deliver me, deliver me, deliver me, deliver me. I'm standing on your word. I'm not standing on anything else. I'm standing on your word. Here's what you said, God. Here's the promise you made. Here's what, and God, your promises can't happen. Descendants can't happen if they kill my children. God, descendants can't happen if they take out my household. Descendants can't happen if they take out these two groups. I'm not praying for one. I'm praying for both of groups I divided my stuff up and I'm covering both of them right now I'm covering the house that is close to me and the house over there God I'm standing on your Nelly I feel fire up in here I feel fire up in here let me tell you something he goes down in prayer I got to get up out of here. I know I can't, I can't finish all this tonight. But he goes down in prayer. He goes down before the Lord. But at the same time, he makes a deliverance call. He also functions in deferential courtesy. Deferential courtesy. Ah, What's where you going with this tonight? Deferential courtesy. Yeah. He's praying. But I told you, he has used his mind as well. And so he decides to engage in diplomacy. I'm not going to engage in fighting. I'm going to engage in diplomacy. I'm going to engage in a diplomatic move to try and see if something else can happen. Lord, I don't know what you're doing, but this is what I'm going to do. Here it is, y'all. Here it is. God, if you don't stop me, if you don't want me to do this, you can stop me. But since I don't feel a tug on me telling me not to, and since it ain't going to hurt nothing, and since I really do feel like I, I owe him something. I really do feel like I've done him wrong. I really do feel like I've messed up. And, and God, my heart really is penitent. My heart is penitent. And, and if, if your heart is penitent, God, you, you ought to want to return that which you, you stole. Now, God, I'm not giving back the birthright because I, I believe you've already said you want me to have this. But I do want to bless him. And I do want him to know that I, I love him and I'm sorry for what I've done. So, so God, let me, can, can I bless him? And he starts with the diplomacy. Go, go down to verse 13. I hope you all rocking with me now. Because I'm talking about living in stressful times. Living faith in a stressful time. Verse 13. So Jacob spent the night there. No angels came in. He was right there at night. But then he selected a present for his brother, Esau, from the livestock he had acquired. He, he, he didn't just say, go get it. He selected it. I want you to get some good stuff here. 200 female goats, 20 male goats, 200 ewes, 20 rams. Now, now in case y'all don't get this, the, the female goats and the male goats you don't want too many males 
in the midst of all the females because they'll fight. And what you really want is you want growth. And so it doesn't take very many bulls, very many males to go and see the, 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 the female use. So what you want to do is to slow down. So you've got ewes and you've got rams. You've got goats and you've got male goats. Here he says, I got 30 milking camels with their coats. So not only am I sending 30 camels, but I'm sending 30 coats. I'm sending 40 cows. I got 10 bulls with the 40 cows. I got 20 female donkeys and 10 donkey coats. He put them into the care of his servants. Every herd by itself. And said to his servants, Go on ahead of me and put an interval of space between the individual herds. Then he commanded the one in front saying, When he saw my brother meets you. Now remember, they, they riding 400 deep. He says, we got an interval between you. First group go. When my brother gets to you, here's what I want you to say. He's going to ask you to whom you belong and where you're going and whose animals are in front of you. Then you say, they are your servant Jacob's and they're a gift sent to my Lord Esau. Woo! He said, when, when they get to you, tell them, that, yeah, yeah, come on here. Verse 19, he said, the second group, where are you going? Ah, they, 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 they belong to Jacob, but they've been sent to you. Third group, they, they belong to Jacob, but they've been sent to you. Uh, what do you mean they belong to Jacob, but they, yes, they belong to Jacob, but they've been sent to you. They belong to Jacob, but they've been sent to you. Wait a minute. Verse 20 says, and you shall say, look, your servant Jacob is behind us. For he said to himself, I will try to appease him with the gift that is going ahead of me. Then afterwards, I will see him. Perhaps he will accept and forgive me. So the gift of the herd of livestock went on ahead of him. And he himself spent a night back in the camp. Let me tell you something. You talking about your gift will make room for you. That, that's not the context of that verse, but it does work in here. Listen, Esau doesn't want his gift. Esau doesn't need his gift. But Esau has to be moved by the gesture. Stay with me. Don't miss it. This is helpful to you now. Esau doesn't want his gift. Esau doesn't need his gift. But Esau has to be moved by the gesture. What does that mean? That means the fact that you respected me enough to want to appease me, to recognize that you've wronged me, to recognize I have a claim against you is enough for me. That, 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 we haven't got to that part yet, but, but it, it speaks volumes. The fact that you want to restore the fact that you want to make restoration, the fact that you want to do the right thing, says something about you. It says something. Y'all missed it. I went over your head. See, some of y'all think that, that making restoration doesn't matter. Making reparations don't matter. Yes, it does. Because it says, I want to do right by you. I want to do right by you. You don't have to accept it, but I want to do right by you. I recognize that you've been wronged, I want to do right by you. I want to bless you. But there's this arrogant spirit that gets on some folk that make them think that they never have to say I'm sorry. Let me, let me, ooh, I gotta, I'm, I'm gonna close. I'm gonna give you the, one, the last point, but I'm gonna come back to it next week. I, I'm, I'm not done with it, I got a word for you. I'm, I'm really, this is, this is too deep for me to finish it all tonight. I, I wish I could, but I want to get to it. But, but let me tell you, some of us are too arrogant to say I'm sorry. We're too arrogant to believe we're wrong. The fact that he had seen angels, the fact that he had been, had, had visualized God's angels on multiple occasions now, 
the fact that he had dreamed dreams, the fact that God had made promises to him, the fact that God had spoke to him and blessed him to leave from Laban's house, the fact that God had caused prosperity to come upon him, the fact that his sheep grew, that his, <coughs> his goats grew, his donkeys came, his camels were blessed. All of that didn't make him arrogant, it made him humble. The more God does for you should not lift you up in pride. It ought to bring you down low to where you know, I know where my blessings come from. All of my help cometh from the Lord. I'm preaching to somebody now. I'm preaching to somebody now. The fact that you're blessed right now, don't you go talking about it's because I went to school. Whole lot of folks went to school and don't have your job. Matter of fact, some folks went to school for your job and they still didn't get your job and you didn't go to school and you got the job that they were trying to get when they went to school. You ought to help me preach this thing tonight because you know some of the blessings in your life are not attributable to anything you did. It's what God did for you. God opened doors for you that no man can shut. God made a way for you. God made you to know this person that allowed you to get this interview <laughs> that moved you into that place. You didn't do it. You couldn't have done it. God did it. God did it. You didn't know nothing about a pension and God gave you one. You didn't know nothing about a 401k and God caused you to prosper in it. You had no idea what kind of car you were buying and you listened to good sound counsel and bought a vehicle that kept up with you and you never had to put a whole lot of money into it. God was blessing you in little ways. And don't you ever forget, it comes from God. He was humbled and the humility let me do this again. I've said it. I keep preaching it until you get it. Howard Thurman said it. I can't take, take credit for it. I'll give attribution for it because it's too powerful. And when you learn it, you learn one of the greatest lessons of life. Humility cannot be humiliated. When you're humble, you can't be humiliated. When you're humble, you cannot be humiliated. Last point, and I'm done for the night. The Bible says he sent the gifts ahead and he himself spent that night back in the camp. But oh, when Jacob was alone, drop down verse 24. I'm coming back on this, y'all. When he was alone, a man came and wrestled with him until daybreak. Now, this is one of my favorite texts. This, this text right here is a favorite of mine. And it's a favorite because here's Jacob already has birthright, already has the blessing from his father, already has the promise of God upon his life. But when he has this divine encounter, even as blessed as he is, he refuses to let go until he gets the blessing that he has coming for him from the man of God. <clears throat> let me tell you something. There are times in your life when you got to realize that some blessings will take something out of you, but they're worth getting anyway. Some blessings will change you, but they're worth getting anyway. It's worth the wrestle. It's worth the tussle. It's worth hanging on. And here's what I call it. Here's what I call it. I, I call it dislocated comfort. Dislocated comfort. I told you I'm coming back to this next week and I'm just going to work on this and close this section out. But, but dislocated comfort. What do you mean, Reverend, dislocated comfort? Because he wrestled with the man of God until the man of God, look at verse 25, 
when the man saw that he had not prevailed against Jacob, he touched the hip joint and Jacob's hip was dislocated as he wrestled with him. With a dislocated hip, Jacob said, then he said, let me go for the day is breaking. But Jacob said, I, bad hip and all, will not let you go unless you declare a blessing on me. I'm gonna pick it up right there. But before I leave, can I give you one last word? Here it is, here it is. When you're living faith in stressful times, you've got to remember your prayer life, your praise life, your pragmatic application of God's truth enters into one state of being. And here it is. Here's the state of being. Whatever it takes, I'm all in. Whatever it takes, I'm all in. Whatever it takes, I'll wrestle for it. I'll hold on to God. Whatever it takes, I'm all in. And somebody tonight, don't you dare give up. I know life is tough. I know things are not easy on you. But decree and declare, whatever it takes, I'm all in. And you'll live this life with all of its vicissitudes, knowing God will take care of you. Whatever it takes, I'm all in. God bless you, saints. This is the word of God for the people of God. Praise be to God. I love y'all. Thank y'all so much for joining me tonight. I just bless God for you. If there's somebody who heard this word tonight and you're looking for a place to worship, looking for a church home, friends and family, I'd love to be your pastor. We'd love to be your church home. And I want to welcome you to Shiloh. I pray you got something from this word tonight. You can join us, call us, email us, text us. You get in touch with us. The, the information is up on the screen on how to become an I member here for Shiloh. And we look forward to having you as a part of the family here at Shiloh. Join with us. We know that God will bless you in a magnificent way. Come on, be a part of this family. We love you with the love of the Lord. Also, I want to tell you tonight, I thank God for Elder Wade. What a beautiful job he did on Sunday. Great word of the Lord for our wonderful youth day. All of our beautiful children. Colin, God bless you, my man. God bless each one of those babies that dance. And Sister Venetia, Sister Kayla, God bless you. And Sister Toby for all the work she does in the background. We love you. We have just praised God for each one of you. I want you to know God is moving in a mighty way. Now, saints, I'm going to be on for prayer tomorrow. Uh, we'll, be, we'll join you at 1 o'clock for prayer. And then tomorrow night, 6 o'clock, we're going to have a memorial service with my dad. Uh, Deacon Benny Watts, Jr., went on to be with the Lord, as you know, buried last Saturday. And now we're going to celebrate his life in a brief memorial service online tomorrow, 6 o'clock, on that picture notification you had, uh, which came out in the light which is also on our Facebook page, you will see there the call-in or the type-in Zoom number, Zoom information, and the passcode is there. Join us tomorrow night, 6 o'clock, as we celebrate my dad's passing. Keep me in prayer. Keep my siblings in prayer. Keep my children in prayer. My wife, all of us, uh, keep us all in your prayers as we handle this time of transition of our father, grandfather, loved one to be with the Lord. So we just ask that you hold us before the Lord. And I just thank you so much. Um, I know when my mother passed, 
I learned a great lesson then. I, um, I preached my mother's funeral, came right back, preached that next Sunday, never took a Sunday off, preached straight through, and um, my siblings were just so kind to me, and they were just trying to tell me, don't do that. My wife tried to tell me. I told y'all the story about my wife telling me about my preparation for Father's Day and letting me know that I was ready now for next year because uh, she didn't think that I need to preach that, and I just appreciate Pastor Burns for jumping in for me. And, Thank you, New Life, for lending us your pastor. We love him and we thank you. But, but it was, it's true, you know, you need to just roll back, breathe, internalize, be able to process, um, because my father was very close to me and just wonderful man of God. And I just thank God for all of you understanding the need for this time and it's been a blessing. And I thank God for this Tuesday night teaching because it's really been, refreshing for me and I'm enjoying the word of God. God bless you saints. We're going to get out of here. Get your offering, please. <laughs> you know there are three ways to give. You can do cash app, give Lafay, or you can go ahead and send in an old fashioned way. If all of us give a little something, we'll be able to bless more people. So join us in giving. These are benevolent offerings. Again, the diaconate takes care of this. Between Deacon and Deaconess Medina, trust me when I tell you, they are blessing people. Um, between our benevolent giving and the giving that we do through our agape, we are in the process of blessing people. So please, join us in giving whatever you can and this will be a blessing. Tuesday night offerings go to that purpose unless we have a guest preacher. God bless you. We love you all with the love of the Lord. And uh, we thank God for each one of y'all being a part of us tonight. Getting ready to let you go now. Again, see you tomorrow. See you tomorrow night. Love you. May you go in peace. And may God's very peace go with you. And you know what I like to say. It's a one word prayer. And you know what it is. Shalom.